67 years. I can only dream of such. Reason being, after Brenda and I got home this afternoon, she says, I'm going to take a short nap because I'm going to get one later on this evening. Some of you will understand that and some of you won't catch it. That's what I've had to put up with for a long time. Have you ever had anyone ask you why they should give their life to the Lord? Speaking with a young man just recently, I had that question asked of me. And I thought, I said, I can't really remember anybody ever asking me that before. Although we talk about that a lot, different subjects around that, I couldn't recall ever having anyone ask me that. But I knew right off the bat there's several answers to that from the scriptures. But what would you say if someone asked you that question? So I jotted down a few things that I want to look at tonight. Certainly didn't exhaust the, uh, the area of thinking about giving our lives to God. But the idea of giving our life to God is what we need to do. Many people have different ideas about what that really means. Of course, if we want to please God, we've got to look at the Bible and go by what the Bible says as far as us giving our life to God. Some people may think, well, I can go out into the wilderness and I can get away from society and devote my life to meditation and peace and so on and so forth, and God will accept that. Well, we know that that's not what the Bible teaches. We understand that we are to give our life to God. You may ask yourself that question too why do I need to give my life to God and as I thought about this I've one thing I thought about was right from the very beginning when we think about the creation of everything and then the creation of man and his relationship with God and what happened in the garden from the very beginning and I thought about really it's a second chance when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden they broke God's law they were created in a perfect environment, a perfect world, in which most people would love to be in as we look at our world today and look how it is. We can see that heaven holds a better place for us. But they were created and put, you know, man was put in the garden in a beautiful place, perfect as far as we know. And yet, after sinning, they had to leave that garden, that paradise. They could stay there no longer because God had commanded them certain things and they broke God's commandments. They lost that paradise. And we see in Genesis, the second chapter, in verse 17, it says, and this is God giving, you know, Adam instructions and telling him what he can do and what he couldn't do, but this is a very important verse. It says, but the tree of life of, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it, for in the days that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Well, to me, man died two ways that day. He died spiritually, and he died physically, because the only way that he could continue to live physically without ever dying was to be able to eat of the tree of, of life. Of course, God expelled Adam and Eve from the garden, and they were not allowed to go back to that tree. So man actually died spiritually and physically. But we see that that's the case. But yet God did not say, well, that's it. I'm going to wipe the earth clean. 
There'll be no such thing as humanity. He didn't do that. What he did was give us a second chance, although we weren't there personally, but we're talking about mankind. We're talking about humanity. And when we see that, we see that the first mention of a Savior is right here in the very first book of the Bible. When God pronounced the punishment upon the serpent, he talked about the seed of woman coming, talking about Christ, that the Christ would, and ultimately, and down the road, and we know as we study through the scriptures, the fact that it would take place somewhere down the road, that Christ would be victorious over Satan through the cross. That was our second chance. God did not wipe the earth clean. He did not decide, that's it, I don't want to deal with man anymore. So we got a second chance. So in other words, that's one great reason to give our lives to God because we got a second chance. A lot of times we don't get a second chance in life at different things. Once we have one opportunity, sometimes things happen and that opportunity is gone, never to have uh, fulfillment anymore. So I'm thankful that God loved us enough gave his son that we could have this second chance. Another thing that I thought of was how God blesses man. You know, we all say we're very thankful for our blessings each day, and I, I know we are. But we do live in a world that is so fast-paced, so busy, that oftentimes we forget about the blessings that we have. That's the song we sing, Count Your Many Blessings. Uh, I don't know if you've ever tried to do that. I don't even want to sit down and try to do that because I know I've been blessed so much that I probably couldn't get to the end. But God has blessed us in two different ways. He has blessed us physically. In other words, He has given us, as Peter says, all things that pertain unto life and godliness. He has given us food. He has given us, or at least the ability to have food, the ability to have shelter, Ability to have the things that we need in order to carry on life. And that is wonderful. God has blessed us in many ways. And not only do God's blessings fall upon his children, many of them fall upon humanity as uh, overall. Such things as the rain and, it, you know, even in Matthew where we find uh, in verse 45, 545, it says, Son, the sun is to rise on the evil and on the good and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. So there are many people in this world who enjoy blessings from God even though they may reject God. The atheist enjoys blessings from God although he does not acknowledge that God exists. So God has blessed us, blessed us tremendously. But the most important is the spiritual blessings. As Paul says in Ephesians 1, 3, the spiritual blessings that God has blessed us with, all spiritual blessings being in Christ. That tells us if we want the spiritual blessings that God has, that we have to be in Christ in order to have those spiritual blessings. God makes that possible. I know there are a lot of people who reject God because they ask questions and they don't get the answers that they want, so therefore they reject God. But when we look at accepting God, we not only accept the physical blessings that he has given us, we ought to be ready to accept the spiritual blessings as well. 
But it takes something. God does not just shower the spiritual blessings on us. It takes obedience to His Word. We have to be in Christ in order to have the spiritual blessings that are in Christ. Through the years, people have tried to reject the church, say, well, I'll accept Jesus Christ, I'll accept His teachings, but I don't want the church. I don't want organized religion. Well, that just tells us that they're not familiar with really what the Bible teaches because you cannot separate the church and Christ. Now, I understand oftentimes what they're talking about when they talk about organized religion. They're really looking at the denominational world, although they don't realize that. And even many in the denominational world do not realize that they're in the denominational world. They think they're part of this one big church that God has established. But we know that that's not the case. So therefore, God has blessed us spiritually. He has given us that opportunity. There are many people in prison today who will never get out. They have been sentenced to life sentences, some even to death. And I'm sure if you had the opportunity to talk with them and ask them if they would like another chance, open up the cell doors and let them walk out into society once again, how many do you think would say, no, that's okay, I like it here? Now, you do have some. There are some that feel they cannot function on the outside. So that being incarcerated is the best place for them. But many of them would love another chance to walk out and be a part of society again. God has blessed us with the opportunity to have a second chance and enjoy the spiritual blessings that are in Christ. Also, God has prepared an eternal home for us. If God has gone to that effort to prepare a place for us, something that is really hard for us to even imagine, we read about it in the Bible. We understand a little bit about it, but there's really no way we can comprehend what heaven's going to be like. But I'm glad we don't have to in the sense that, uh, you know, it's, it's not going to take away from its glory because I can't really understand exactly what it's like. It does not take away from its glory. It does not take away from its beauty. And God has prepared that for us. He has prepared it before we even existed before the world even existed. You know, heaven is a prepared place for prepared people. And that's true because you don't accidentally become a Christian. You do not accidentally become a child of God. You have to prepare yourself. You have to do those things that God uh, mentions in His Word for us to do. In Matthew, the 25th chapter, if you want to turn to Matthew 25, this is the section of scripture we read about the judgment the fact that uh, there's going to be those that will be saved and those that will not be saved but in verse 34 Jesus says excuse me uh, 43 But know this, that if the goodness of the house had known in, you know, it helps if you get in the right chapter. My eyes are not what they used to be. I apologize. 
Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Notice what he says here. He said it was prepared for you. Who was it prepared for? All those, and when we're talking about heaven and talking about Christianity, all those that become children of God and live faithfully. It's prepared for those. It was prepared a long time before we ever existed. Turn over to Ephesians, the third chapter. We talk about the church and all of this being in, in God's mind, God's eternal purpose. As Paul tells us here, talking about the, the church. Beginning in verse 9, actually, he says, he's talking about the mystery because uh, for a long time the, uh, the Jews did not understand that the Gentiles would be allowed into the kingdom. He says, and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the world, notice that, beginning of the world, hath been hid in God who created all things by Jesus Christ to the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be made known by the church the manifold wisdom of God. Now this is the key point. According to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now this is a great section of scripture to use to refute the idea that the church is an afterthought that when the jews rejected uh, christ rejected the kingdom that god had to put the church in its place this tells us right here that the church was in the mind of god the eternal purpose so therefore god has prepared things god does not leave anything to chance he has made sure that we have a place to spend eternity. But it's not just given to man. It's not a universal thing where everybody that's ever been born and everybody that ever will be born is going to be there because in order to inherit that wonderful home, we have to be obedient to God. And Peter tells us that that inheritance is an inheritance that's incorruptible. In other words, there's nothing that's going to change it. There's nothing that can damage it. It's undefiled. In other words, it's pure. It's holy. That's going to be one of the greatest things about heaven. I don't know if you've ever considered it, but one of the greatest things is there will not be anything unholy there. We won't have to deal with the sin and the things that are in this world. That alone is worth it. Because I know you are like I am. You get tired of seeing these things. Every time we turn on the, the TV or we get on our computers or whatever, we're reminded of the sin in the world. We're reminded of the unholiness, the unrighteousness of mankind. But in heaven, we won't have to deal with that. And also, Peter says, it's not going to fade away. In other words, it will always be there. Now, for God to pre create something like that for us alone should cause one to want to dedicate his or her life to God. God has prepared that place because He loves us. He wants us to be with Him. A place where there's no sin, no pain, no tears, no hurt. A place of heavenly happiness for eternity. Then another thing that I thought about was the fact that we should give our lives because God has given to us the greatest gift of all. And that's His Son. As we look at what all God has done for us, as I mentioned earlier in the physical realm, but in the spiritual realm, the fact that Christ left heaven 
and came to this earth. Now, I don't know all the workings behind that. I don't know how all of that came about because we are finite. Our understanding and our comprehension is limited. There are a lot of things that God could reveal to us, but I don't know if it would do any good because we could not comprehend it. But what we can comprehend, God has revealed to us through His Word. But Jesus being the greatest sacrifice ever. He's the only sacrifice. One of the great books, and especially the chapters 9 and 10 of Hebrews, it is a wonderful book on the sacrifice of Christ. Of course, we know that it deals with the difference in Old Testament and New Testament and the connection between the two and all, but to read in, in those two verses, uh, I mean chapters, chapters 9 and 10, about Christ and the fact that He's the ultimate sacrifice, that if the sacrifices that were made under the law of Moses, if those had been sufficient, then Christ wouldn't have had to die on the cross. But that wasn't the case. Christ had to die on the cross in order to take our sins away. In Hebrews, the 10th chapter, in verse 12, the Hebrews writer talks about Christ offered one time. He offered one sacrifice for our sins, and that was forever. If you recall under the Old Testament that the... Uh, priest had to continually make the sacrifices it was something they had to do over and over and over and over and I always thought how hard that would be to live under that system because not only did they have to make the sacrifices the sacrifices had to be prepared a certain way and it was a very difficult system to live under we live under a much better system a much better covenant than they did but we're thankful that God loved us enough to have Christ come to this earth and die for our sins. We know how relieved we are sometimes when somebody takes our place in doing something. So we have to do something that we don't like to do, but then someone comes in and does it for us. We feel relieved. Not only thankful, but we feel relieved. God saw fit to send Christ to this earth to die for us, so that we would not have to be condemned. Sin was put away finally, once and for all, by the blood of Christ. Now that doesn't mean that man doesn't sin. What it means is, is that we have someone to take our place in paying for that sin, as long as we are obedient to God. I don't know how Christ really felt leaving heaven perfect place wonderful place coming to this earth because he did suffer as we did the Hebrews writer says that uh, God prepared a body for him why so that it could be nailed to the cross because God is a spirit and we know that Christ is part of the Godhead and you can't nail a spirit to a cross therefore Christ took on a fleshly body so it could be nailed to the cross so it could be sacrificed for mankind We like for people to be grateful for the things that we do for them, although we may not say anything. But we love to hear thank you or I appreciate what you've done. Not that we're wanting to slap ourselves on the back, but it does make us feel better when people appreciate things that we do for them. 
We show our appreciation to God by following His Word. When Paul said in Romans 6.23 about Christ being the gift of eternal life, he is exactly right. He is the gift of eternal life. And that's not a gift that, like in the ordinary sense, where you don't have to do anything. Many people say that all you have to do is believe in Christ and you're saved because, after all, He is the gift of God. He's the gift of eternal life. Therefore, you don't have to do anything to get a gift. It's given to you free with no uh, strings attached. Well, it's a little bit different type of gift than that because we know that God requires certain things of us. And as I was speaking with this young man, that was part of the idea, I think, behind his question. Why should I have to do anything? Since God has given me life, why do I need to do anything to give God back my life? And from an honest and sincere person, that's not a bad question. I appreciate people who are seeking answers to questions that they have about maybe their spirituality and their relationship with God. But Jesus Christ is the greatest gift that we could ever receive. No matter what we receive in our lifetime, the greatest gift has already been given to us. It is up to us to accept that. Ask yourself, why should you give your life to God? And for those of us who have already done that, we know a lot, but sometimes we don't concentrate on that. We, we forget about it. I think sometimes we need to think a little bit deeper. And I think by thinking a little bit deeper, maybe we can become uh, more appreciative of what God has done for us. I hope that we don't get so busy in life that we can't take time to thank God for those. I know that Brian had a great sermon this morning on prayer, and part of prayer is uh, gratitude, giving thanks to God for what we have, and not only us, but for others too, because we can pray for others. We pray for others all the time. But the greatest sacrifice, the greatest gift is that of Jesus Christ. Now, you may be able to come up with some more reasons why a person should give their life to God. All we have to do is read through the Scriptures, and we, we see wonderful blessings that are mentioned in Scriptures. We see how God helps us in our daily lives, how He guides us and how He strengthens us to get through this world. Part of the reason that God helps us is because this is a difficult life. With all the things that take place, it is a difficult life. I remember a Clint Eastwood movie one time, and he was talking with his Indian chief, and he said to the Indian chief that dying is not hard. It's the living that is hard. And I thought about that, and I said, well, you know, there's a lot of truth in that because we go through so many things in life. We're not only physical creatures created by God, we're emotional creatures. And things that happen in life affect us emotionally. And some things are easier to bear than others. But we have to go through life. We have to live life. And we have to deal with everything that comes down the road. But we have God to help us out. As Christians, as a child of God, that is one of the great things that I have. That's one of the spiritual blessings that I have. It's to be helped by God through those difficult times in my life.
How many reasons can you think of to give God your life? You can make your own list. But if I know the, this congregation here, I know that every list would be lengthy. Because I know you feel like I do, that God has blessed us beyond anything that we could really ask. I guess one answer to that question would be gratitude. reason to give your life to God is because you're grateful for all that has been done on your behalf. As we mentioned about Christ being the greatest gift, you know, Christ cannot do you any good if you do not submit to Him. If you do not submit to God's will, no matter how much God has done, it becomes of no avail. It is in vain on your part if you choose not to follow God. I try not to let God's blessings be vain in my life. And I'm sure you're the same way. But if you are one that has not decided to give your life to God, you need to make that decision because there's no hope without it. The Bible is very clear on what it takes to have a relationship with God, the correct relationship. A lot of people talk about their relationships with God. I've got a personal relationship with God. Well, I hope it's the right personal relationship with God. But we know that God tells us what we need to do to become Christians. It's not hard. As Paul told the Romans, he said that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Well, that's where it starts. Knowing the truth, hearing the truth, our faith should start. <coughs> Excuse me. Faith is so important. And you hear it probably spoken of every day. Somebody's faith. They either had faith in this or they didn't have faith. But it is so important to believe in God and to trust God. Not only is faith important, but the fact of believing that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Believing that He is that great gift that God has given us. Believing that He is the one that God sent to this earth, the only begotten Son. Many people believe in God, but some of them do not believe in Jesus Christ. They'll say Jesus is like Muhammad or, or uh, Buddha or someone. He's just another good prophet. Uh, that's far from the truth. Christ is the only one to ever hang on the cross for mankind. He is the only begotten of the Father. So we must believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And upon that belief, be willing to repent. That doesn't mean just say you're sorry. Repentance is a continual thing in a sense that we're going to live our lives according to God's word yes we repent of the sins we ask for forgiveness and we make changes but yet our minds should be fixated in a continual repentant mode as far as when we do something we know we have to change it and correct it it's not a matter of just saying that you're sorry and they'd be willing to confess Christ publicly the apostle Paul said that confession is made by the mouth Christ talked about those that would confess him publicly as opposed to those that would not. So public confession is absolutely necessary. And then to be, to be baptized into Christ. You can't be saved outside of the body of Christ. You have to be saved in the body. We know that baptism 
takes away our sins. Why? Because we have submitted to the commandment of God, first of all, to be baptized. But we know that, as Paul says in Romans, the sixth chapter, that we are buried with him in baptism. We're buried into his death by baptism. We take part in what happened at Calvary. Although we can't take part in it physically, we take part in it spiritually. There is the connection. Christ shed his blood in death, and when we're baptized into his death, we make the connection. God gives us the opportunity to do that. These are just some of the things that we need to consider about giving and when we give our lives to God. If you have not done those things, you need to do those tonight so that you can be a child of God. Be willing to take God at His word and follow His commandments. As a child of God, if there's something that is amiss in your life, haven't been as faithful as you should or whatever, you understand. You know, this is an excellent time to come forward for that. Whatever you need, we pray that you'll come as we stand and sing.